Hello and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Deeply Technical series. Hello, welcome to Codish. I'm Chris Castle, a developer advocate for Heroku, and this is part two of our community-focused GopherCon episode. If you didn't listen to part one, definitely check it out. But for part two today, we have some conversations with more GopherCon speakers like Johnny Borsico and Liz Rice. But first, we'll kick it off with day two keynote opener, Aaron Schlesinger. I'm uh, Aaron Schlesinger. Uh, I am a core maintainer on the Athens project, uh, which is a, a module proxy for mostly on-premise situations for organizations. Uh, so yeah, I come to GopherCon every year. I think this is my fourth one. Okay. And yeah, this is by far my favorite conference across all of tech, um, just because of the community feel and getting to see and talk in person with folks that you know, you talk with online for 364 days a year. Yeah, and uh, you don't so, get to see yeah. them in the real world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. the physical world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I really love the the atmosphere and just getting to do that. Is cool, a big thing. Sounds good. And then you just um, you opened up day two with a with a talk at GopherCon. Can you tell us a little bit more about your your talk? What you, what you shared? Yeah, I was I was lucky. I felt really honored. Um, just to go up and talk about Athens. It's the project that I'm uh, currently working on and. I started the project, uh, let's see, I think it was a little before last year's GopherCon, so it's about a year old. Okay. Today I just kind of talked about um, why Athens exists and what is a module proxy and what is the purpose of a module proxy. Uh, and then I kind of finished it up with uh, why would you use Athens, what are the common use cases. Uh, and we talked a little bit about what Athens means for the community. Yeah. Um, and that, that part is what I feel is kind of really important is yeah. Athens can keep modules and dependencies decentralized. Yeah. So can you give us like a little history of the module concept in, in sure. Go and, and kind of like where we're at right now? Uh, so for a very long time, Go has had this concept of a package. Uh, and a package is basically was just a place on GitHub or GitLab or other VCS systems. It was a repo that you could git clone, and Go made it really easy to do the git clone. And then there were tools built on top of Go to do a git clone at a specific version. Mm -hmm. And then we got to a point where there was an official kind of experimental tool that was really good at doing these version negotiations across different packages for different dependencies. Yep. And then came modules, and, and modules takes it a next step uh, and basically packages for <laughs> For lack of a better term, packages a bunch of packages together, right. uh, groups them together into a thing called a module. Yep. And modules have some more guarantees around versioning. Generally speaking, it's way more useful to, mod to version modules with semantic versioning. Mm -hmm. uh, and modules actually make some sense of the semver for a specific dependency. Yep. And then the really cool thing to me, and the reason that Athens exists, is that modules let you serve up dependencies via a custom API mm -hmm. and not just Git or whatever other VCS you're talking about. Right, right. Uh, and so Athens implements that API. Uh, and it works in this kind of community of other implementations of the API too. The Go team has one and, and JFrog has one with gocenter.io. Yeah. 
Uh, and there will certainly be more coming. Yeah. Uh, and so I just love that they can all kind of work together via this really simple API. Yeah. And so Athens fulfills sort of the on-prem use case. Yep. Uh, Proxy.golang.org. If you haven't used that, definitely check that one out. That one is a hosted, large-scale, public one that has every module under the sun. Go Center is kind of in the middle where mm -hmm. it's a little bit more curated and it's got a lot more features on top, like things like documentation and so forth. Yeah. Everyone is kind of moving at their own pace and their own direction. Uh, and we truly are decentralized in that respect. Right. But we all work together because we all implement this API. Yeah. And that's the community that I know. Yeah. That's Go. That's cool. Uh, and just generally, like the amount of people who are getting into Go. Mm it's actually pretty low. There's a ton of gophers here that have been writing Go for a while. Hmm, okay. But this is their first conference. Yeah, okay. And I'm really encouraged. So to they're see like that. getting more deeper kind of engaged in the community. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, uh, I think yesterday and a, maybe today as well, there were various parts of the conference where folks asked how long you've been writing Go. Mm -hmm. And a lot of folks raised their hands that they were the new gophers, people yeah. who just started writing Go. Yeah. And even those folks have been programming for such a long time that these concepts in Go are making sense. Yep. And they're picking up Go so quickly and becoming really productive in Go really fast. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm really glad to see Go is growing as quickly as the community is growing. So uh, my name is uh, Biong. I'm the CTO and co-founder of a little company called Sourcegraph. We do uh, developer tools. We have a code search engine uh, and understanding tool that does, among other things, like really fast, uh, you know, search over large code bases, uh, and also jump to def and find references in code review tools like GitHub PRs and, and things like that. Can you talk about a little bit about what Sourcegraph is doing to make the GopherCon talks accessible out to all the folks that aren't here? Yeah, definitely. So uh, Sourcegraph is the uh, official live blog organizer for GopherCon, and that's something that uh, we do because we know there are a lot of people that can't make it to the conference, and but still want to, you know, consume the the talks and learn uh, about what's new in the the Go community. So what we do is. We kind of recruit folks from the community as well as like folks from our own team to uh, kind of like cover each of the talks, you know, from a very technical point of view. Mm -hmm. So, you know, person will listen to the talk, write up the key technical takeaways from that talk, write that up in kind of a short blog post format uh, and post it uh, typically within, you know, an hour or two after the talk happens so That's that cool. even if you're not at the conference, you can follow along. What about uh, Sourcegraph in general? Can you give us a little history of um, Sourcegraph and what you're doing now? The, the inspiration for Sourcegraph it, it really arose from when uh, my co-founder Quinn and I sat down and we had this kind of itch as developers. We were finding ourselves uh, spending more of our time kind of trying to dig through existing code and understanding how it all fit together mm -hmm. than just like writing it. So, you know, more and more of the job was becoming understanding code, yeah, uh, right. understanding existing code and how to use it, yep. rather than just rewriting from scratch. And um, I had kind of briefly worked at inside uh, Google earlier in my career, and Google just has like this great internal uh, developer ecosystem. They hmm. also have this tool called Code Search, okay. uh, which is used by like every developer at the company. And after leaving there, it was like there was no, you know, comparison to yeah. anything else in the community. Meanwhile, we had this itch 
uh, we were working at a company where we were working with a lot of different development teams, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of these are like non-traditional tech companies with large code bases, where yep. uh, just the amount of legacy code, a code written by people who are no longer the company, you know, talking like decades old code bases wow, okay. uh, was astounding and we just realized that there was no uh, sort of like code understanding tool yeah. uh, that approached you know what, what companies like Google and Microsoft and Facebook have built internally and we thought that there was a huge opportunity to kind of make that level and quality of code uh, understanding tool accessible to everyone yeah. so that you know everyone could have like the best the latest and greatest uh, in terms of getting up know, to speed build, on exactly. an existing code base being able to be a a maintainer as fast as possible without having to like spend hours or days or weeks getting up to speed on the code base. Exactly. Yeah. When did it start again? When did Sourcecraft start? Uh, this it started in late 2013. Okay. So we're going right. on year six now. Yeah, year yeah. six. Where's Sourcecraft at right now, and what are your like aspirations or hopes for the future? Yeah, totally. So uh, where we are right now is um, it's kind of a very exciting time for the company right now because we're now inside a lot of. Uh, development organizations that you've probably heard of, uh, yeah. Uber and Lyft and uh, Yelp uh, and a bunch of other like uh, technical organizations I think that people really look up to. Mm-hmm. And our focus right now is just kind of spreading Sourcecraft as wide as possible. Uh, you know, we've built a tool that's really great for diving into large code bases and, and understanding them. Uh, and also spreading knowledge around uh, teams. And that's yeah. something that we're seeing is more and more a need for companies of all kind of sizes and, and industries, especially as like more companies start to take software development as, as uh, very seriously as a, a core competency. Yeah. Uh, so we're focused on growing the, uh, the customer base. Uh, mm-hmm. Things are going really well on that front right now. And at the same time, there's a lot of uh, cool and exciting new features uh, in the vein of like, High performance, high scale code search, mm, uh, code okay. intelligence, so very precise jump to def and find references that works across repository boundaries and across yeah. your entire code base. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, more and more automation of kind of key developer workflows. Basically, like anything that is more rote or boring, uh, <laughs> that is kind of a drag on your day to day life as a developer, yep. we want to kind of automate away and turn those all into like one button or one keystroke actions. Uh, so that you can spend more of your time focusing on the interesting parts of the job and less yeah. on the dumb mechanics, the things that are left uh, best to uh, the computer to, to handle. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You sold me on it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds really, really uh, like empowering as a developer yeah. to be able to do my job faster and easier. And yeah, yeah. like we kind of want to be the developer tools company. Like yeah. you know, the 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 biggest engineering organizations in the world. You know, like Google has like probably hundreds of millions of dollars to throw at like internal developer tools but right. most companies don't have that right. and and we want to be the company that just like provides that level of quality and and like productivity to, to everyone hi my name is Liz Rice I am a technology evangelist with Aqua Security where I also run our open source programs and uh, I've been here at GopherCon teaching a workshop introducing uh, Go programmers to containers. So Aqua's a container security company, containers is the thing that I deal with, cloud native, Kubernetes, 
kind of every day and uh, I wanted to teach a workshop to introduce people to the concepts behind that, leave them with a really solid understanding of what a container is. So was it for um, beginning programmers or was there was there kind of some prerequisites that you, you knew some basics about containers uh, or Kubernetes? So the prerequisite was that you knew something about Go because I was doing a lot of examples that were okay. you know, using some Go code. Yeah. But we really took it right down to sort of the basics of what a container is. Yeah. Um, it's quite fun. I um, I got everybody to actually build their own container in Go, like using from like LXC and C groups and yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, which oh, that's is cool. which is good fun. Yeah. and then hopefully that gives them a really good understanding of containers are just a process, yeah. and you can build one yeah. in sixty lines of Go. Right. I like that process of like learning. You know, there's new technologies or new things you learn out there, and then at some point. The, the smart people have been doing stuff with them, and at some point, like, they become demystified to me. And I understand that, like, oh, this container is actually just built up of these these primitives that are kind of provided by the Linux kernel. It's not, like, this one magical thing. It's actually, like, stitched together, all, all these little pieces stitched together. Right, and I think there's so much fun to be had in taking something that kind of feels, like you say, a bit magical and yeah. going, but it's not magic, is it, really? Right. So let's find out what it really is. Yeah. And, and I just love doing that. Heroku actually started in 2008 or 2009, and we started using, uh, effectively, like, isolating people's apps with containers, like with sure. C groups and LXC, but before Docker was around or before the term container was really around. Sure. Um, and now it's kind of, you know, Docker popularized it, and now there's this need to orchestrate it with Kubernetes and all these different things. So <laughs> it's cool to see the um, uh, kind of how it's grown or how it's, like, taken on a new shape and form and become really the standard way of managing Absolutely. and deploying and orchestrating software. Yeah, there's so many benefits to containerization and cloud native. Yeah. Whether, you know, if we're at a conference like GopherCon, we're probably focusing more on the developer experience, the idea that people can build software and it runs on their laptop exactly the same as it's going to run, you know, in production. Right. And that's a huge step forward from yeah. kind of traditional development environments right yeah where it's completely different like you've always wanted this pair dev and prod parody but yeah um, but that whole kind of works on my machine been, right <laughs> yeah right so what about you've been um was it newly named a google developer expert yeah they've just yeah. introduced a new category of google developer experts in in go yeah um and yeah i was lucky enough to be amongst the first batch of people uh, you know, invited to apply, yeah. and uh, yeah, just got through the process just in time for GopherCon. Cool. So, what does that mean? What is what was the what was the process like, and what is it as a Google Developer Expert? What is your what's your what are your roles or responsibilities? Yeah, so I think uh, Google have been looking for people to uh, probably best off asking somebody from Google, really. But my interpretation <laughs> yeah. is um, no, that they're yeah, looking at people um, who are doing interesting things in the community in whatever technology in this example go, yeah, and who kind of maybe are creating interesting content or, or doing interesting things that people who are interested in that technology might want to you know pay attention to um, yeah. you know uh, and for me I felt like it's a, a really nice vote of confidence yeah in, right because you, know, you can't know everything right. and in the many things about go that I don't know but I do know a few things yeah it's a nice sort of stamp to say well, yeah Google think you know a little bit here, so. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Well, I will keep an eye out for other uh, interesting Go and container stuff. Yeah, that, and there's, there's a sharing. community of us as yeah. well. There's, okay. I think maybe about 10 so far in this first that batch. That are Go-focused Google Go developer focus. experts. Exactly, yeah. yeah. 
Hey there, I am uh, Johnny Borsica. Um, I uh, I've been a gopher for quite some time um, since uh, since the very first GopherCon uh, back in 2014. Wow. Um, right. uh, so yeah, so day to day, I do a lot of uh, I do a lot of uh, Go. I work with Go uh, quite extensively. Um, uh, at my uh, current uh, um, position at Heroku, I'm an SRE, so I'm uh, helping uh, engineers uh, um, develop uh, and sort of uh, um, build applications that uh, sort of uh, follow that uh, that model, right, uh, for reliability. So I enjoy that quite a bit. Um, but uh, what I enjoy doing most in the Go community is uh, really being part of the community and, and helping to foster and and sort of uh, um, welcoming uh, new members to the community and and really sort of making it a, a very welcoming and diverse environment for everybody. Let's talk about the community, or maybe um, would you say the community uh, is your is your favorite thing about Go? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, the the technology itself, I love Go. Don't get me wrong. I, I really enjoy working with the with the language, and and I've been in the industry for quite a while, and I've worked with a lot of different um, technologies and programming languages. Um, and Go is by far my favorite, um, and and has been so for the last uh, five years or so. Um, but I think what I enjoy outside of that, what I enjoy the most, is really being part of the community and, and sort of doing work out in the community and, and really sort of uh, opening up right this world right that that I think provides so much opportunity for for others. Like it, it's a welcoming environment and allows somebody to sort of thrive right. If you come into the community and, and you, you want to learn and and you kind of um, check your ego at the door, so to speak, <laughs> I think you, you'll do quite well in, the, in this community. That's cool. So what did you, well, you did a couple things at GopherCon, right? So you, you did a workshop. What did you do there? Yeah. So, um, every year I, I try to, um, be of service, um, to GopherCon really, um, in general, um, you know, obviously GopherCon is probably the largest well-known, uh, Go conference. It was the original. <laughs> There's, we have quite a few now, which I'm pretty psyched about. Yeah. Um, but GopherCon is, is the Super Bowl, if you will, right. Of, of the Go community. So that's yeah. where, you know, you have a lot of People sort of gather. Um, up until last year, we're we're gathering at Denver. Um, this year, we went to San Diego, which is great. But yeah, every year I try to sort of uh, um, be of service um, to the organizers, uh, to the program committee, and speaker selection, and helping speakers sort of prepare for their talks and that kind of thing. So I enjoy these things quite a bit. So last year I did a a, a workshop to sort of introduce folks to to go right. So and then this year I. I sort of uh, did another workshop, which was basically building serverless applications you know, with Go, right? So every year I try to do something uh, meaningful that's helpful and also being part of the guides program, um, which is, again, another way to sort of uh, welcome newcomers uh, that are uh, sort of maybe don't know exactly where to go, what talks to go to, and, and who to try and talk to and meet and whatnot, sort of uh, being sort of a guide that they can sort of, if they see me walking around the conference floor, they can just say, hey, Johnny, like, you know, what, what should I do next? Well, who should I try to meet? Or can you introduce me to so-and-so, right? So I enjoy these, these things quite a bit. Speaking of, of, of learning, um, for someone who's looking to learn Go or maybe knows a little bit, mm -hmm. the what's the best way to become kind of more proficient in, in Go to, you know, maybe it is find a job or, or <laughs> to um, expand their skills to be kind of like a, a professional coder, I guess, in, in Go as opposed to just like something you're learning on the side? Well, so different styles of learning work for different folks, obviously. Um, so, but the the for somebody who's coming in, depending on sort of uh, what kind of experience you're bringing in with you. So, if you're if you're bringing into programming in general, um, so the the learning curve may, may be a little steeper, um, mm -hmm. but definitely not impossible. Like I know folks who do that now who are who are basically um, thriving, right? Having yeah. having had no programming experience before and sort of go being there first and and sort of learning how to actually construct programs, right? That's absolutely doable. Um, but if you're coming from uh, say uh, um, a 
background that includes uh, other programming languages, right? So maybe going through the, the Go tour um, is a very good example. Um, mm-hmm. It might sort of it'll expose you to most of the higher level concepts that the programming language offers. Um, Go by example is another great um, resource. Like even to this day, I still refer to it. We have now, now when I need to sort of quickly look up um, how a particular uh, concept sort of works. Um, and I also rely on these uh, um, resources to when I actually do teach. So I teach on uh, GoBridge mm-hmm. workshops as well. Um, yeah. And I rely on these uh, resources quite a bit to expose some of the concepts to folks. So these are two of the resources that I rely on, but there's there's a quite a bit out there as well. It's getting easier and easier these days to find online resources through blog posts. Um, the the Golang Wiki has a section on, on sort of uh, getting started with learning and it has a bunch of links to different blog posts, different uh, parts of the documentation. Those are very good places to go if, if you have some experience uh, with Go. But definitely if you're brand new, there's still a space for you. There's still a ways for you to learn. It's uh, a couple weeks after GopherCon now, mm-hmm. um, but for many of the attendees, you were kind of like the last big face that they saw mm-hmm. as you you closed out the the conference with the the closing keynote. Um, mm-hmm. You want to share a little bit about what you shared during that talk, um, and then um, hopefully uh, we can link them over to the the recording of your talk too, so they mm-hmm. can see it in more detail. Um, yeah, so yeah, I did the, the closing keynote and, and it was a great honor for me to do so. I've, I've received so much in return, right, uh, for my involvement in, in the community. And, and this was sort of my way of, of sort of really both thanking the community, um, but also sort of uh, challenging the community to step up in terms of uh, things that are near and dear to my heart, right? So mm, yeah. um, the things that I touched on was, was basically the, how much the community is growing, right? I touched on sort of uh, <laughs> the number of attendees that, that we saw, we, we keep seeing, right, this 10% growth growth annually that we keep seeing in GopherCon attendance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah. right there was, was sort of a, a, a clear way to show that, hey, the community is growing. Right? I talked about sort of the Go Developer Network that recently uh, started uh, a few months ago. I talked mm-hmm. about sort of uh, the growing uh, a number of developers um, around the world. We, we can't really pin it down like a number, right? So I've seen it as much as, you know, one and a half to two million developers worldwide mm-hmm. doing Go, right? So not, every, not yeah. everybody that does Go is able to talk about that or we don't know of all the companies doing Go, obviously, but we, what we yeah. do know is that there's a lot of activity. There's a lot of buzz and there's a lot of people joining the Go community every day. So I think more than half of the attendees and, and the, at GopherCon this year were brand new, like brand new folks showing up for the very first time. Some of them have been doing Go for weeks, uh, others for months, but wow. definitely less than a year, right? So the Go community is attracting a lot of new people, a lot of talent. As a result of that, right, there's going to be a lot of different sort of opinions coming in. People, maybe some people are bringing in sort of a, um, a spirit of learning. They, they just want to know how, how things are done in Go. Some people are bringing in some baggage, if you will, from other communities. And maybe, yeah. maybe the, the, their favorite language does X and Go doesn't do Y, in yep. which I definitely encourage people like, to leave the baggage at the door kind of thing, right? Um, but also, um, one thing that's very important to me is sort of diversity and inclusion. Um, so these things, I believe when, when a community sort of sets out to be those things, we can't just say that we are right diverse and welcoming and, and you know inclusive. We we kind of have to walk that walk. We can't just be talking yeah. about it, yep. right? So my rallying cry really to, to the, the Go community for those who are in the room and obviously, but for those that are going to be watching um, the keynote afterwards as well, is to basically say, hey, like this community gives us so much, right? It gives us the safety we we, we need to be an authentic selves in the community, right? It gives us space that to, to be who we are, right? And, and then to be creative to share common sort of uh, goals with, with other developers and to build an awesome community right it gives us so much but we have to in turn 
expose ourselves a little bit, basically, and be vulnerable a little bit and, and go out of our comfort zones to help make the same benefits that we're, we're seeing for ourselves to expose that to other people who perhaps don't look like us, right? So it's basically a running cry for, for the entire community to sort of say, hey, let us all work together to make this community more diverse and, and welcoming and inclusive for everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Codish podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.